Hi, I'm Joseph. And I'm Craig Thera- TJ. <laughs> and this is the Apple Keynote. No, it's Hi-Fi. Joe, the Apple Keynote happened. Yes, and it was a The good WWDC, one. the Worldwide Developers Conference kicked off the developers... Conferenced? And yes. Apple conferenced? Yes, yes. Something like that. I think we should dive right in. We don't have any side items this week. We don't really have anything else. I think we're going to have plenty to talk about, um, and so I think we should dive in. Yeah, um, if we want to show shorter than the keynote itself, I think we better hurry. <laughs> Last week, we did our expectations, um, and it was mostly me and then you giving a uh, word on what I had to predict. So um, I wanted to talk about uh, if I predicted correctly or accurately. It wasn't really a prediction, though. It was expectations, and then I gave a percentage chance I thought it would happen. So um, I did say – I didn't really give a percentage chance, but I said that hardware would be unlikely. We did not get any hardware. And my reasoning for this I think was pretty sound. And I had I saw people talking on Twitter and some people in a Slack that I'm in said, why didn't Apple announce any hardware? Really? I'm really disappointed. I wanted hardware. It's like <laughs> it was pretty clear they cleared their hardware out of the pipeline so that they could not have to worry about it at WWDC. Like we, they just They just announced hardware. So that was my – idea behind my saying there would be no hardware at WWDC. It's like people who want their birthday uh, we, every other day. Yes. So I also apparently didn't give a percentage chance on this notifications overhaul that I was uh, wanting. Um, or if I did, I you know what? Let me look in last week's I you uh, outline. I wonder if I just accidentally erased it. Um, so hang on. I'm, I'm opening up the document. You can get a peek behind the curtains here. Uh, I would like to see – oh, I gave it a 50% chance. Um they're doing something here. I Do you understand what they're doing exactly? Uh, it sounds to me like they're trying to say, hey, you know our smart assistant? We're going to give you smart notifications. We're going to use our machine learning on device. And because we know you so well, uh, you're going to have better categorization, organization, prioritization, yeah. and silencing the ones you don't want, the the, the appearance of the, just the ones that you love. Well, one thing it looked like maybe we're getting here is um, they're going to roll all the notifications up when you're in Do Not Disturb into like a summary, and you can expand those and get to individual notifications. But I think it looked like you could dismiss them all. So my plan right now would be to go through, look at the ones I want while I was in Do Not Disturb, and then dismiss the rest of them. Which because right now it's like swipe, 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 swipe to dismiss the notifications that are just no good anymore. And if I can dismiss them all in one go, then the roll up feature will be great for me. Hmm. So I think we're getting something here. I don't think it's what I wanted exactly because I want something more like Android and I don't think Apple's ever going to do that. So Well, that, that is a little disappointing in particular that it just looks so much the same. And the problem isn't that I want them all shuffled away into a stack for here's all of the, you know, the things app notifications and here's all the Safari notifications and here's all the YouTube notifications. Yeah. We've already had that. They're just putting a new face on that and we wanted a lot more. We wanted a lot more power. Uh, it handed over to the users, and uh, they, they didn't really do that for us. Well, it, it hasn't shipped yet, so we'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, I gave a 75% chance for widget parity on iPadOS uh, with iOS, and we're getting that, and we're actually getting something I didn't expect. 
which is a new widget size for the iPad. I thought that Apple would just be like, oh, okay, we'll slap the widgets in there from the oh, that's iOS. A good point. And they gave us one more thing. Yes. So so we got what I wanted and uh, we and I accurately predicted I think anything over like seventy percent is predicting that it'll happen. And it did happen. So good job. um yay for me. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I gave a 35% chance for more default app settings, and it was not mentioned, so that is a... Oh, you know what? This is interesting. I gave it a thumbs down, but it's actually a thumbs up that I predicted accurately in, in the document, so I'm confusing myself. Now, we do know some people um, that supposed that they might introduce a, a smaller widget for, say, iOS, maybe one... Oh, I, I, people wanted yeah, that anyway. And, but we didn't get anything like that. They gave us the bigger one. Or at least it wasn't announced. Mm -hmm. And again, these haven't shipped yet, and and maybe there's a feature in there that we've missed, or they just didn't say. But we we shall see. I gave an 80% chance uh, for uh, bringing uh, the app library to iPadOS. And this feature, and just to refresh you, is you can just turn off home screens that are, you know, have apps on them that you, because before it's just never ending home screens. On iOS last year, they introduced a turn off the home screens you don't want to see. And then from thenceforth, you only have the home screens that you want and the rest of the apps go into the app library. And iPad got that too. And I'm thankful. Yeah. And I gave an 80% chance. So I was essentially predicting this would happen and it did. Very good. I gave only a 20% chance for full external display support for the iPad, and it was not mentioned. We don't know that we're not getting it, but I, I don't think we'll get it. And I, like I said, I gave only a 20% chance, so uh, I predicted accurately there. I'm changing – I put a thumbs down because I didn't like it, but <laughs> I'm, I'm supposed to be putting a thumbs up because I accurately predicted. Okay. Um, 30% chance for expansion of Control Center on macOS to allow third parties in there and deprecate old style. Menu bar, apps, uh, again, a 30% chance is not much, so I think that was an accurate kind of thing, even though that's what it's something that I want. Okay. They didn't mention it in any event. Uh, I gave a 1% chance to remove the half halfway implemented iPad window management features on macOS, and not only was it not mentioned, but if you look in the uh, on the website for the preview of the Monterey features that are upcoming, they mention some updates to these features. They're not good updates, but <laughs> they are updates, so they're, they're not removing them. They're adding features to it, and no thank you. But uh, yeah, I, I predicted it wouldn't happen, and it didn't. Um, by the way, chime in anytime, Joe, if you have anything to say about this. Um, Okay, no. 1% chance to remove Launchpad from iOS. Again, <laughs> also correct. <Yeah. laughs> they did not mention it. Um, I gave a 10% chance for better iOS, iPadOS home screen management. Also doesn't was not mentioned. And I gave a 1% chance to please give us some updates to file management on uh, iOS and iPadOS uh, platform. And they also did not <laughs> do anything there or did not talk about it. Well, I'm impressed by the number of items on your predictions that they gave you. So very good job. Very good job. Yeah. And in fact, I, I guess I didn't talk about it last week or I I did in a fever dream because I thought I did. Uh, but one thing that I wanted um, – I wanted a lot more for iPad, but I knew we weren't going to get it. This is That's just the history of the iPad. They make the hardware amazing and you keep thinking, oh, well, they're making that hardware because they have software for us and then they don't. So, <laughs> But one thing I wanted on iPad OS was – more intuitive and more discoverable controls for the limited, very limited multitasking and you know, mul- you know, multiple apps at the same time features that we have, and they're they're giving us that. I'm excited. Um, there's a there's a new little expander thing up, up at the top of the of the you know the iPad's display, and you click it, and it'll show you the things you can do rather than you have to intuitively know. Well, if I drag the app here from the dock, but only from the dock, and so if I wanted it, better be in the dock. You know, it, it, they're giving us things there, so I'm excited about that. Ultimately, I don't think they're taking advantage of the M1 and that iPad Pro, but we're getting a little lit. So, ah, 
do you want to lead us into this uh into this now actual now that we've discussed uh how well i did and, and tooted my own horn and my my thinking there uh, do you want to lead us into our our next uh conversation about wwdc sure yeah so the event happened at 1 p.m here in eastern standard time and uh, tim cook begins well uh, actually rewind that Let's see. How should they start this keynote? What would the theme be? <laughs> what would the transitions be? What would they show? Yeah. What kind of genre would they build upon? Would they maybe introduce a cartoon? Maybe Who Framed Roger Rabbit should be the theme of this. Yeah. It was a very kind of meta kind of opening. It was like, how should we open this keynote? Well, let's let's rem- reminisce about how we should open it to open it. Yeah, and then they <laughs> did that for a good long time, which was Yeah, it went on a little long. Yeah, it was fun. But uh, I don't know. Like, it wasn't my favorite uh, yeah. demonstration of their well, creativity ever, but it was okay. Well, I meant, I messaged you, and this was like maybe a minute and a half into the video, and I said, hey, I really like this. This is nice and whimsical. But then it kept on going. Yeah. And it kept on going. <laughs> and it kept on going. And I'm like, oh, Oh, Apple, Apple, come on. Yeah, <laughs> and then it, but, but, you know, it's like, okay, all right. So then Tim Cook walks out onto stage to the cheers and applause, woo, 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 you know, the clapping and, and it's all a bunch of memoji faces in the audience. So and cringe. we know that it's not actually there. It was cringe and creepy. And, it, and I'm like, what, what are you doing, Apple? What, what? I liked it better when they were acknowledging that WWDC was very different this year and he wasn't actually there with a bunch of people and, and we're actually recording this for you. I liked it much better when they acknowledged yeah, that. Yeah, what was year. really funny about that was that it, they started from an obvious place. Last year they had, what was in her name, um, uh, Serenity Caldwell, who sort of started like uh, announcing the schedule for each day of WWDC yes. at a Mac. Mm-hmm. And you just saw her Memoji, and it was sort of dramatically lit. And they used some Memoji in various banners across the internet for WWDC. So they were building upon that, and it was too much to take it to this scale. The entire audience of floating heads and disembodied and they're they're well, cute and they're not really heads, there and they don't and, and they what? don't really represent anybody exactly it's really weird but then yeah, at it's one really point odd. you do have the representation of craig federighi and one other person i forget who off to the side of the aisle and tim cook references them and they like give him a particular knowing glance and reaction and but it's their emoji and they never yeah, really even did that odd. in a live event like that you got audience reactions yeah. but they were real so Yes. Yeah. It felt, it felt weird and fake and I, I, I didn't like it. And I, I do think though that this is a signal that Apple wants to go back to in-person events. I, I think that this is like, and maybe this was their thinking is we're going to show something in the audience cause we want people to actually be here. I, cause I wasn't sure, like even when the pandemic is completely over and everybody's comfortable being in person again is, can they go back? And I think this is a signal that Apple wants to go back and probably will try to go back. Now, I think it'll be a more of a hybrid event in the future. Sure, but I think that they will have people in the audience. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So, um, shall we talk about uh, the first thing up, um, which is iOS 15? Yeah. They really began with just saying iOS 15, unlike other events when they started with some statistics about the business and how they were doing for the Apple stores or things like that, market growth and things about going green for their technology production. They just hopped right into iOS pretty quickly after they had that fun sketch that turned into five other sketches. So one of the cool things was is that they started off with a really impressive t- feature of FaceTime video call 
Well, and one thing that Craig, I think it was Craig that started this segment, said that stood out to me was FaceTime is a standout. And I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> I don't know anybody who actually uses FaceTime that much, maybe occasionally, incidentally. But he acted as if it had been a staple during the pandemic. I'm like, no, that's Zoom. You're thinking of Zoom. <laughs> yeah, my thoughts about that, TG, uh, is that perhaps we hear about Zoom because people are using it for professional reasons all the time. But maybe what kind of goes unspoken <laughs> and no, unsung? No, that's not true. Yeah? Everybody that I've talked to, even in non-professional settings, it's Zoom. It's always Zoom. Okay. Um, our our, our church during the entire pandemic, we had a prayer meeting every Wednesday night via Zoom, and and it wasn't like anything else was considered. Um, now I think I think that's because of some of the features that they're in, that they're introducing to FaceTime, which I think is really good. Which is FaceTime in the browser for those who cannot. I mean, like if it's limited to Apple platforms, I'll give you an example. This is why I think Apple really must start bringing their stuff to other platforms. That is, you know, like iMessage. So I have a uh, my brother in law is an Android guy, and he's always going to be an Android guy. He's never going to get an iOS device. Like that's just not going to happen. And we have a text group that he's in. Everybody else, literally everybody else in that group has an iPhone, but we cannot use iMessage because he's in the text group. And so it goes over SMS and it just lacks all the features. And if there was an uh, an Android app for, for iMessage, then we could all be on iMessage and the rest of us on iPhones wouldn't have to be punished because he will not get an iPhone. So, um, because SMS is awful, we, we often get, some of us don't always receive all the messages. Sometimes they're delayed. Sometimes they're out of order. And I, that just never happens with iMessage. Anyway, that's an example. The same thing is happening with FaceTime because somebody that you might want to FaceTime uh, they use, you know, they use Android and you have to use Zoom or, or whatever, like FaceTime is not viable. But they've made it viable because it will work in the browser. And additionally, they're giving us links. So the big standout feature to me that made Zoom viable for the, for the entirety of, of this whole weird pandemic time was you could send a link to somebody and they clicked it and then they were on a video chat with you. And FaceTime up till now hasn't worked like that. It's more fiddly. You got to make sure you call the right person and you got to add people to the call if you want more than one person. And, and this way, people can just click a link. I assume if they're on an Apple platform, it'll open up FaceTime. Otherwise, it'll open them up in the browser if they're on Android or Windows. And this is great. This is a fantastic feature. And this actually makes FaceTime viable, I believe. Here was one of the examples where the demonstration was first rate, very well produced. But I noticed a going trend as the keynote continued was that the things that they were showing off were really hard to follow on the interfaces on any of the given devices in the video demonstrations. Animations, um, transitions, you know, button pressing, swiping around the screens. What exactly were you touching? What were, where were you going? You know, how did you cause that feature to be activated? In general, it was sort of like, I'm sure what you're showing me is supposed to give me the impression this is a locked-in animated approach to this new feature, but I would be willing to bet you that a lot of these are up for grabs if the designers wanted to change the way that this works and get you to the final feature when we get hmm. iOS 15. I yeah, I really didn't have any trouble following what they were doing, though. So I'm not. But yeah, like you know, know, off the top of my that. head, when I'm trying to recall much of like, what do you press, or like, was that a swipe, or was that under a menu? You, you know, one of the examples from iOS, uh, what is this, 14, is that uh, a lot of people I know who use apps like Apple's Notes. They have heard that you can share notes, but they have never done it. And so when they do it, it's almost by accident. And then if the person who receives it gets it, they may ask, 
well, how do I know whose note this is? Is you know, how do I, how do I find who created it? You know, it's like it was right there. It's under a button for a profile image. But just because it's really obvious to Apple doesn't mean that the interface is uh, entirely distinct enough for everybody to to just get it. So, well, I mean, their interfaces are always simple, but sometimes because it's not skeuomorphic enough or something it's sometimes it's hard to tell what is happening in a quick snappy production from you know that goes that runs over an hour and a half long okay well i assume that once we get our hands on it it'll it'll be more obvious how to do these things but but potentially not i mean one of the one of the challenges with touch interfaces has always been since 2007 when the iphone was introduced the challenges have always been the like the easy stuff like the very intuitive stuff is super easy but in if you go anything beyond that at all it becomes very undiscoverable undiscoverable very quickly one of the advantages of you know the mac and the mouse and the the interface that was designed there um is that you know we have pull down menus and things where things can get discovered more easily it's a little harder to get started but once you're in and you understand the interface conventions it's easier where that that hasn't gelled that hasn't happened for iOS so maybe that's some of what you're feeling there yeah that's a part of it yeah but but that being said yeah. i don't have any complaints about the features and in particular, they showed off SharePlay, which was, I think, the coolest thing to add to FaceTime. I don't want to talk about FaceTime for too long, but SharePlay was a good idea. Yeah, yeah no, well, but SharePlay goes beyond FaceTime, so it's a good thing to talk about. SharePlay is a fantastic thing. Like, social media platforms have really been trying to dig into this. And, you know, Facebook has their, you know, do a group watch party thing. And, and, and you know, you've got um, the, Twitter trying to roll out things a lot like that. And, and, and other, other platforms I can't think of off the top of my head. But it's become a thing. And Apple's trying to come to the table now and say, you know what, we control the whole platform. And if everybody's on, you know, iOS or, or Mac, and it's coming to all their platforms. That's what's exciting. That, that's another thing. Sidebar. I'm excited that the Mac didn't seem like the redheaded step child in the, right why do we say that, that? because what's wrong yeah. with redheaded stepchild <laughs> but yeah um it didn't seem like the redheaded stepchild as this, as this phrase goes um that 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 oh sure okay yeah sure the mac is ours too sure no it seemed like they're bringing the mac along all the new features are also coming to the mac including SharePlay, and the mac got features that i never thought we'd see so um it's really great but SharePlay is exciting in the, and, and my first thought was when they started talking about it well you can start a movie and everybody's gonna be watching the same place the same time and you can talk about it and da 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 and my first thought was but yeah but they're not going to get anybody on board with this this is only going to be for apple tv plus content but then they immediately and turn around and announce yeah disney plus and hulu plus hulu and paramount plus they're all in they're all in and i'm like really because my first yeah. thought was how the rights management on this is going to be insane now maybe there's some stuff going on behind the scenes maybe everybody has maybe every participant has to be a subscriber of that particular platform like I don't know maybe that's how they're doing the rights management but my first thought was depending on how they do this that's a rights management nightmare but I guess they're working out the deals yeah but that's the thing and and this was another impression about a lot of the features they announced was that uh, you know over the last few years there's been a series of features that didn't come out when they gave us the 1.0 and this was one of those that is so ambitious and hinges on studios cooperation across the board in multiple countries that I could understand mm-hmm. if this is one of the things that Apple just quietly doesn't release with the first version publicly of iOS 15 and then comes out a month or two later or maybe six months later because it's just complicated. And, and I suspect it'll probably roll out in the U.S. and maybe Canada first. I mean, that's very often the case with this sort of stuff because of rights management stuff. I mean, 
And even today, I don't remember what it was specifically, but they announced something like, we're also rolling out this cool new feature that we've had in the U.S. for years. We're rolling it out yeah, in Spain yeah. and, you know, whatever. I else. think that had to do that, with that maps. Certainly happens. But, uh, could have been I think maybe it was maps. And that, that's a little different. But but you, you often do see right, rights-based stuff that just gets delayed in other countries. It's, it's very U.S.-centric, unfortunately, for the folks living in those countries. But, um, yeah, I think SharePlay is a really – going to be a really great kind of cool feature. Maybe you and I can watch movies together, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, the wowest factor about it was if SharePlay was just hop into a FaceTime group and then watch a 16 by 9 movie off of your phone, then I'd be really uninterested because it's just so small. It, unless it was really about the group of people and I was there because I, I love those guys and they begged me to join them, then maybe I would take it seriously. But the, giving the option, like you were saying that we have features like these not just for ios but also cons too we can use SharePlay on a mac i think they said but as well yeah. the apple tv well, if, if, yeah as i was say most importantly i think for this feature the apple tv which is where i would tend to do this sort of thing if you're doing a watch party you're gonna sit down and you're gonna watch a one hour tv show or two hour movie like the apple tv is gonna be the, the best place for that and it's coming to the apple tv it's coming to the ipad it's coming to the ios it's coming to mac your, your comment to me at first was um because the, of course they're talking about this first with ios 15 so it's on the small iphone it's like look at all this cool thing you can do with the iphone and your first comment to me was hard pass you know basically yeah, something because like that it, but then there's no, no way you're gonna you know, watch a widescreen movie off of the phone you know it's like a thumbnail well, size alongside of all the other facetime video thumbs you don't know yeah yeah yeah, so this is this is a fantastic feature that's coming to all their devices. And this is the thing that Apple, again, harping on this a little bit, the thing that Apple's been promising us about the way they do their platforms and control the whole widget is we can control the whole experience. And that just hasn't been true. It's just been the iOS and the and, and maybe the iPad. And, and now they're starting to really hone in on bringing their new features to all their platforms. And I'm so excited about that. This is the future I thought we'd be living in finally starting to happen in 2021. Yeah, it's really cool. So they switched gears. One thing I noticed, too, is that they rattled off a lot of details, TJ, that were hard to keep up while I was taking notes. While I was absorbing SharePlay and trying to take down the notes for it, they quickly transitioned. And the next thing I knew, they were talking about this new thing called focus mode. And that they were introducing the new kind of notifications with intelligence summaries and the like. You actually skipped over something that they barely breezed by. Okay. It, it was just whoosh. I had a feeling uh, but it was messages. There. Yeah, yeah. So messages, they introduced the shared with you thing. Um, and what they used to demo the shared with you. So, so they're basically, and this is, this is definitely a problem and we'll see if this solves a problem for me where somebody shares something with you, but you can't look at it right now. And then you have a conversation and it, it, you know, 25 messages later, you're scrolling back through your history, looking for that thing they shared with you, if you remember it. So they're introducing like this list of things shared with you from the various places that you can collect in one place and then act on them. Um, is that the one where they're, they're in a list inside of the news app? I don't think it was the news app, but again, it did go by very fast. Okay. But one of the things that, that was demoed as like, hey, look, this has been shared with you was, was deep dish pizza is the best kind of pizza. And I was so offended by that. <laughs> I, I, DJ, if it I was want, my favorite no. when I was a kid. I can't remember if, the last time if I, had I want some, lasagna, I will, if I want lasagna, I will order lasagna. Oh, if I want totally pizza. Totally different. <laughs> oh, lasagna is my favorite. Now that you mention that, New York style lasagna pizza, is my favorite food. So that's probably one reason. I, I do like, like lasagna. Deep dish pizza. Pizza is just a bad lasagna. Is it though? Okay, moving it's been on. a long time. <laughs> Before everybody's turned off the podcast now. So moving on to focus mode <laughs> and notifications. Go ahead. Yeah, so they <laughs> introduced this waff of things that were hard to 
follow because the we've got intelligent notification organization and it is improved, but it looks an awful lot like what it used to be. But they were explaining how this is part of the vision for focus modes. So what I think they're really getting at, TJ, what they're promising is that you'll be able to I, I, I want to say what it is, but then I want to say what it's like to me so that I understand it with a metaphor. So what it is, is you can say that I use my iPhone for work and for personal use. And I want the personal use of functions during my long breaks and for the evenings and the mornings. But then while I'm at work, I just want the work mode. So during work mode, you want to tune out things like the social media networks and anything to do with family group chats you just want to get a hold of your productivity apps and your productivity related notifications your you know your email notifications from your boss and your manager and your coworkers and then you want to silence anything else to do with entertainment so if you can create those profiles in settings then you would be able to say this is my dream setup for all my productivity uh, activities on the phone. And that is my work mode. That is, uh, and then, and then you can say, I'm going into focus. So like, you know, give me, do not disturb because I'm actually going to get some work done, but I still need to hear from certain parties about urgent work and urgent, you know, people who have priority and precedent over my schedule. And then the same thing goes for your personal time mode. So you can still have hypothetically, I mean, I'm hoping here, TJ, that you could still hypothetically speaking, want focus in your personal mode as well, where maybe you're doing something like a hobby and you still want to focus while you're in your personal downtime. Uh, So they enhance it where, again, you can still get those urgent messages from your wife or from a child, but then you're quieting a lot of things in a much more sophisticated way than you can with do not disturb on ios 14 but the key here is is i think of the metaphor here that i like to imagine is that it's going to work a little bit like different users on the mac because when you're switching from the one to the other they're really self-limiting so hypothetically speaking uh, actually, TJ, I'll, I'll, let me just rewind the clock. Around 2010, I came up with this idea and I did a screen recorded video about it and posted it to YouTube where I said, hypothetically speaking, why couldn't you use different user accounts on a Mac for different points of interest and focus and activities? Like have a user for work and another one for personal I actually basically suggested this, laid it out, demonstrated mm. what it would look like. Yeah. Both of them are Sounds me like on my Mac. To me. Well, you know, all you got to do is from a drop-down list, choose between Joseph Work and Joseph Personal, and you're hopping from the one to the other off of the Mac. And then you arrange either one however you want. The, you know, if you're using social networks in Safari and certain tabs for social media, that's only over in your personal mode. And then over in Safari on your work uh, user account, then you only got all the websites open for your productivity. So it, it, it was right there. It was like, hey, this has been around for ages, but it's never been packaged and uh, delivered this way. And certainly not on iOS. So it, it looks very promising. I'm very excited about this because... I, what I have been doing lately, TJ, is I have a, a charging dock on my desk at work for my iPhone. 
And what I've done is I've created a, uh, a screen on my home screen that just has widgets for the calendar, my to-dos app, and for my time tracking, and for my Pomodoro. Uh, and so all of these on one screen, it feels more productive and I get more work done with concentration and then know when to schedule my breaks. But uh, hypothetically speaking, this could just take it to the next level, having a Apple's assistance to make this more fluid across my phone during work hours. Hmm. Well, I'm glad it's going to be interesting for you. I think the most interesting thing to me was how it's going to be in sync across my devices. So I don't, I don't anticipate from the way I work using the schedule that often, but there are modes that I might want to go into and I can just quickly bring it up and go, Hey, you know, for an hour or whatever, do this mode. And I may have it set up to be like, I'm going to be podcasting for an hour. So you know, don't disturb me with stuff. Well, one thing that annoys me right now for podcasting, what I do is I will silence my phone. That doesn't silence my watch. I have to then swipe up and hit the the bell notification icon on, you know, from the control center on my watch to silence my watch. And like, I may, maybe, maybe I can accomplish the same thing with a do not disturb mode or, or a, a focus mode that will silence, you know, certain things, you know, I don't know. We'll have to see. I'll have to play with it. But I am excited that those modes are going to be across all the devices that I'm signed into iCloud with. That, that'll be great. Yep. And so this part of the keynote segued just fluidly right into a bunch of other features. They labeled intelligence features for iOS. You want to talk about live text? Yeah, I, actually, I just want to point out, I think this entire keynote felt like there wasn't a particular theme. They just had a lot of new features that they'd been working on. They just had to talk about them one after the other. Yeah, you're right. So, that was just, yeah, good observation. Because the, a lot of this didn't feel like it all had, well, like, wasn't it in iOS 14? There were a lot of design. Well, it wasn't iOS 14, but it was macOS that had a lot of design-themed yeah. things. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think so. So, so you were talking about the next feature being OCR, uh, from the camera, basically, um, which is what they're, which they're calling live text, but it's OCR. It's, it's optical character recognition. <laughs> Wait a minute. No, you're, not saying, you're saying that Apple didn't make this up. They, they didn't invent this, TJ. This isn't new. <laughs> no, but, the, but what they're doing is good because I, you know, OCR comes and goes the idea of it. And, um, I, it's been a little lower on people's priorities lately. And maybe there's a shift back to, I, I think that the way they're doing it though is interesting, right? So OCR back when when I first started using, like, I wanted to uh, scan paper documents and make editable, like, editable Word documents out of them because I needed to. I didn't have the source, but I had the, this thing, and I whatever. And this was back early in the like early two thousands when I was really starting to get into computers. And OCR wasn't great at the time, and it wasn't like it. It was li- the reason Apple's calling this live text is because when you, t- for instance, those the 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 thing that they showed was taking a picture of a whiteboard, and then all you see is the whiteboard, but you can actually select the text on the whiteboard as if it's text so uh, i'm sure apple's doing like it behind the scenes it's just showing what the characters are and you're selecting those characters but you don't see that you're seeing it selected on the whiteboard so there's this cool stuff they're doing here with live text yeah i bet that their scribbling function on the watch over the years has uh, algorithmically you know enhanced their ability to refine the accuracy of this kind of thing (laughs) well one of the questions i had was how sloppy can my whiteboard writing be for that to be recognized and and that that definitely you'd have i feel like like even still, for, for the way – for as dumb as AI is, you're going to have to write pretty clearly. I think it's going to mess some stuff up. But, but we'll see. We'll see. I mean maybe maybe they can intuit – as long as they can get a couple of characters, then they can intuit, oh, it must be this word. It has to be – because you have enough other in the middle there. It's like, well, it can't be this or that. But according to the what we can recognize – so I'm sure there's ways to get around it. But I, I've got some sloppy 
whiteboard writing. <laughs> so, or sloppy writing in general. It's just that's what computers have done to me. So, now, I would like to see this come to macOS so that if you were watching tutorial videos and you had this guy demonstrating, well, even just a bit of code or, uh, you know, his outline for his points, you could. Uh, pause the YouTube video and select text right off of it. That would be so good. So I, I don't know if that is on the roadmap or really <laughs> hard. Well, okay. So Joe, this, this is a feature that is coming to all platforms. Um, and if you want to pause a YouTube video, I would assume and take a screen cap of it. I assume you can then run it through their OCR oh, stuff, their okay, live tech yeah. stuff. All right. Yeah. 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 I, I can't imagine why you wouldn't be able to do that. And, and especially because t- it sounds like you would be on the Mac doing what you're talking mm-hmm. about. And right. so you, it, and that's, that's, as we talked about earlier, I guess the theme of this WWDC that they didn't explicitly state, but that seems to be the case is their features are coming to all their platforms. So, um, this, this feature was mentioned specifically as coming to, you know, obviously applicable platforms it wouldn't make you can't use this feature on apple tv because how would you but but um it's coming to mac ipad and ios and ipad os and ios so yeah i think you i think this is a feature you'll be able to do joe sweet well i'm going to take advantage of that for sure i yeah for sure i think i'll find ways to take advantage of it as well there is so next up is Mm -hmm. Oh, well, there's this new feature that uh, I think they called Lookup, where you'll get these little badges that pop up all over the pictures, or it's unclear mm. which apps they would be in besides photos or your messages where people shared photos with you to various links of articles or web pages. But maybe you got a picture of a cat and a little badge pops up indicating, would you like to know more about this kind of cat? Well, we can tell you because we're so <laughs> smart that this is this kind of yeah. Himalayan cat. You know, Google has tried to do this to varying degrees, and I, I just don't think it's ever caught on. So it'll be interesting to see. And, and obviously, Google has the smarts to do this, and I trust them more with that. Not that I trust them as a company more, but I, tr- I, I believe they have more technological capabilities to make this happen. We'll see if Apple's any good at this. Um, and it, it, the thing that Google's had struggle, struggled with is getting it to catch on and, and to make people aware that it even exists. And we'll see if Apple is any better at that, because that may be where Apple can excel. So we shall see. I, I can definitely see, for instance, um, and this is a slightly different angle, but it's the same type of technology. In Google Photos, which is still, and we'll get to this in a minute, this is my primary Photos application, or it's not even an application, it's a thing you know that exists yeah, on the web and the app on the phones it's a so google photos i can search for horses and it brings up all the pictures from my way back in my past that i have in my library of me working with horses and any other horses in my library because it recognizes them this is a feature that apple really hasn't been able to have <laughs> they're just not there their technology is not smart enough to do that up until now um and this is that type of feature right it's it's it's, it's doing data detection but algorithmically on pictures and then putting dots or things that you can click on to say, oh, this must be this. That's the same type of feature, right? And so we'll, we'll see if Apple is any good at this. Yeah, and along the same lines, TJ, they are talking about how you'll use Spotlight, do searches, and get photos results in the Spotlight results on the iOS. On the right, iPhone. that is that yeah. feature. They're, they're wanting to do what Google Photos has been doing for years, which is when you search for a thing, we're recognizing that thing in the photo. You search for a cat, all the pictures that you have of 
cats will come up. You search for a pool, all the pictures of – I don't remember what all examples they use, but that's the idea behind this feature. And that's great, and that is something that is handy in Google Photos. I've used it a handful of times. The reason I'm not yet switching away from Google Photos um, – obviously, I do have all all my photos in iPhoto or Apple Photos as well, and it all uploads to the cloud and all that. But, but the big feature that's missing here that I, I feel like, how is this not a thing yet, is shared photo libraries. Um, and, and Google Photos mostly has that. It, it's a little bit – Well, re- hold, hold on. Hold on. The though, way, though, TJ, when you say shared photo libraries, you mean family shared photo libraries, not just like – I they, mean – They kind of sort of technically have already given us shared photo libraries, but – No, they have Photo Stream, which is not at all like hmm. that. Okay, so, so what I really want is for Rachel and me to be able – when we take a photo, it all goes into the same pool. We're looking at the same library. Oh, hallelujah. We don't quite – When the day comes that we get this feature, I'm going to eat it up. Yes. We don't quite have that with Google Photos. What we do have is that you, Rachel and I have the feature turned on where I can see her photos and she can see mine. They are separate pools. However, there is an additional feature that gets us very close. And so that's why, that's why we're using Google Photos, which is you can say import all photos that Rachel takes into my library, and then she turns on that same feature, import all photos that TJ takes into her library. So they're two separate libraries, but when they're uploaded to uh, Google Photos, then they also appear in both places. That's good, and it's it's good enough for now. Like, it's the best we can get. What I would like is, because what doesn't happen is if I decide that I junked up, you know, with, with a bunch of screenshots, that I delete them, they don't then disappear from Rachel's library, because once at the point at which they are imported into her library, they diverge. They're two separate uh, entities. And that's not quite what I want, but it's better than what Apple photos offers, which is nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, so, so we at least both have a shared set of photos in a, in a way. What I want, whichever company will get there first, will take my money is a single pool of photos. I deleted it, deletes everywhere. She deletes it, it deletes everywhere. She adds it, adds everywhere. It's a one family set of photos managed by us both or by you know my son maybe he's on it too like we can add people to the pool like it's it's how is this not a thing yet do do they not have families do they not do they not care about this at, at <laughs> apple i don't get it so this is why we're still with google photos is because it's the closest thing that we have well and on that note tj later in the presentation they did introduce more icloud features that they talked about described as being icloud plus features but uh, we'll get into the technicalities about that service later. But it, what I found interesting is that this was mysteriously absent because it'd be a great place to introduce it for the family shared photos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's clear they're not even working on it. I, I, I don't I don't get any hint that they're working on something like this at all. And I don't I just don't understand it. So uh, we have a lot so, more we could talk about. We, yeah, how would yeah. you like to organize it? Do you have some favorite subjects that you want to get to well, before? I think, we're I think we just need to move. I just think we need to move faster because I, I want to touch on all this. So right. wallet uh, is interesting to me. You have the keys, and um, <laughs> I, I I want it. I want it to work. I just yeah. my ve- my newest vehicle is a 2013. <laughs> so there's that's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Um, this reminds and then me a lot IDs, of the features right? that they have introduced to CarPlay that sounds really sweet on some of the newest cars and it's going to take years before i see them yeah (laughs) yeah no i I see above 2013 i have a crappy non-capacitive touchscreen in my 2013 minivan so well um, i mean but chances are your Uh, your car will bite the dust sooner than later mine's a late 2014 and if you get a car sooner than i am then you stand a chance of getting your car play but it's still one of those things that they've been I, talking I just, about for years. I literally We're miss out on until they've already got like version six of CarPlay out. 
Well, sidebar, Joe, I literally just bought this van, so I what? hope it lasts for a longer than what you're talking oh, about. Cool. 2013, okay. Joe, and that's pretty new. Right. That's pretty new. <laughs> it's only got a hundred and something thousand miles on it. Like it's like our, our previous van had 260,000 miles on it and it was falling apart. That's why we bought this 2013. My car that I, my daily driver car, not van, but car is a 2003. So, I'm not going to be buying any newer cars anytime soon. It's just that that's <laughs> okay. how I operate. Um, so yeah, the keys feature is something way in my future. Um, uh, and I would love to stop carrying so many keys around. Uh, although I, I do want to, oh boy, we got to move faster. I want to voice a concern about the keys and the ID and the like not carrying a wallet at all. What if your battery dies? Like what happens I then? Know. Like, I don't know. There's, I have questions here. I have questions. I want it to be a thing, but I can't, I just can't. I don't know mentally get there, which leads me to the ID feature. Like the I, I, in participating states, guess which state? I bet Tennessee is not a participating state. But anyway, <laughs> um, in, in participating states, but 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 then you have the question of you're you're at a you, you go to um, uh, the, the store, the um, wine and spirits place, and you want to get a beer, and you present your ID, and it's on your phone. And like, well, we can't accept that. Like, how do you how do you know? Because all they know is that you have to have a card that says that you that is officially from the state of Tennessee that says that he's over twenty one. Like, uh, how do you how does that work? Like, I just have so many questions about how this could work practically. Yeah, it seems like the kind of thing on an infinite time scale that we will inevitably get. But in the meantime, yeah. how do you get everybody to respect it, regard it, and accept it? And what if your state accepts it, but then you are traveling outside of your state and another state doesn't? So what if your yeah, phone dies? So many questions. Like, yeah. Again, what if your phone dies? What if it's stolen? Well, then, you know, did you leave your wallet back home while you were traveling? You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. There's just too many mm-hmm. questions here. So, yeah, I, I want it to be a thing, and I hope they keep pushing it and maybe someday so I can carry less stuff in my pockets, but I don't see in my lifetime that happening. So the weather app, my only question here, uh, the updates look iterative. I don't really care. The only, my only question is, are you putting it on iPad OS? And they didn't say. <laughs> well, I was actually really happy with the updates. This looks like it's reaching a point where I'll actually want to use the default weather app. The, mm-hmm. I mean, that is what I use as the default weather app. I have a widget on my home screen, and when I want to know more than what's on the widget, I tap it, and I go into the weather app, and it provides me what I want to know. Now, recently, the Carrot Weather app got a huge overhaul, and it's gorgeous. And I know other people you know, like that one, and other people like Weatherline, and you still other people like Dark Sky. And those are all great apps. But Apple acquired Dark Sky. That means that the key Dark Sky-related Features are going away from Weatherline, and I'm thinking Carrot Weather and all the others like them. And the design features of Carrot Weather are great, but not something that I necessarily need to spend a premium, you know, membership fee on, you know, month to month or year annually. So seeing the Apple Weather app getting this uh, huge substantive little, um, you know, like boost in all regards, not a complete overhaul, but a boost in all regards was really good looking. And so I'm actually really happy about how they're integrating the hourly uh, forecasts for rain and the like taking dark sky stuff. Now I'm going to miss the feature where dark skies, what do they call it? APIs or something like that could be used across various weather apps so that all of them could take advantage of what the developer for Dark Sky had done. Yeah, I wish Apple would provide those APIs to everybody, but they're yeah. not going to do so, that. But that being said, aside from the fact that, you know, for selfish reasons, I'm still going to enjoy the default weather app more 
from now on. Yeah, of course. Of course. It, it does benefit Apple for sure. Then they introduced the updates to Apple Maps. Let's see here. We got support yes. in more countries. That was when they mentioned the other countries. Then there was a they, – they talked about global view, TJ, like we don't have a global view in the Maps app before now. Do, do you know if that's true or not? Uh, I can look right now and okay. see if we have if I have a global view. I know Google Maps does, um, but I, I so rarely I've never thought to use it. So I'm zooming out as far as I can. I'm still zooming. Nope, there's no global wow. view. I can see all of North America and a little bit of South America, and then I can I can pan over and I can see Europe and Africa and Asia and Australia, and I keep panning and oh, and there's the there's North America again. So yeah. No, it was a funny example of where Apple will say this is like a, a great thing, a nice feature that we are introducing. And that that's a little off-putting, Apple, when you're describing something like a global view, which has been around for ages on another platform. You completely disregard like it never happened and you are inventing the thing. Oh, that's that's the Apple it way. It is that's the, the Apple, Apple way, way, but this is so bodacious to talk about it that way because so many of us know what, you know, what is it, Google Earth is it's ridiculous yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so good well and and google earth has been rolled into google maps basically but but the the way, the reason that this is important is because um y- you know you look at a flat map and a flat map you have to determine your basic starting perspective. And then as you spread out, because you're flattening a curved surface, it enlarges the top side and the bottom side as it flattens out. So, you you know, you look, I used to think as a kid that, you know, Canada was this huge landmass and Russia was this, and, and they are large, but they're not as large as you think they are if you only ever looked at flat maps because, you you know, the global nature, like it's wrapping around and you're, you're flattening out that surface and it just makes it look, it's skewing it. So this is an important feature depending on what you're doing. It's not that important in the grand scheme of things, but it is, an, it is a nice and interesting yep. feature. I, I have to say, um, I'm excited about the updates to Maps. Um, I have been using Apple Maps full-time since I got my watch because of the integration oh, cool. there. And I, I lately, I have been doing some testing. Uh, and I specifically, I haven't been driving much in traffic, but the um, day before yesterday, I had to drive up to Nashville and then drive back down to my sister's, which is further south than I am. I'm pretty far south of, of the city, and then she's way further south. Yeah, she's like 20 minutes, 25 minutes beyond me. And as I was driving down past the intersection that, that turns off to my town um i noticed over on i-65 over on the northbound side i was going southbound so on the northbound side there had been an accident it literally it must have just happened the traffic was just starting to pile up and i thought ooh, i can't come back up i-65 to get home i'll bet and so i checked apple maps or actually at first i checked google maps i thought no way apple's gonna be right on top of this and know about it so i checked google maps and sure enough google maps had a red line you know several miles down from where the wreck had happened and no way for me to get to my intersection right so i needed to take a a, a side you know an off route um, but then I thought, well, I'll look at Apple Maps, see what Apple Maps said. Apple Maps had the exact same data. It said, uh, you do not want to get on I-65. This is bad. <laughs> so uh, Apple Maps is on top of it. Their traffic features are right there and ready to go. I have, um, in the early days, I when I was testing Apple Maps, I gave up on it. This was back, oh, this is before I switched to Android for a time, because I would tell it to take me somewhere, and it would take me to the wrong place. Like, it said I was at the right place, but I was clearly at the right. wrong place. Like, And then I would look at Google Maps, and it would be, oh, no, you're, you're, a, you're a mile and a half south of where you need to be go up here and that hasn't happened anymore so they're definitely working on that that's that's i've been pretty happy also 
as somebody who has traveled in transit cities, like when I've uh, I, my I used to work for a company that was headquartered in New York City, and so when I would go there, uh, pretty cheap to travel if you get the transit card and all that stuff, and you can just take the subway. And Google Maps navigating all that um, is fantastic. I have not used Apple Maps to do that yet. I hope to someday, and I'm excited about what looked like great features for transit. Yeah, very cool. The 3D rendering updates for complex roadways with bridges, for instance, and yeah. you know, intertwining. I, yeah, there's definitely they showed a use case that I thought would be super helpful. It's already they already have lane guidance, but like actually showing you the physical road mm-hmm. and saying this is where you want to be that did look very useful. Uh, did look very useful. I find lane guidance very handy, and it is nice to have things like the landmarks, uh, an improved night mode, other road details that they're enhancing, even getting like three dimensional trees thrown in there. It is, it, mm-hmm. it is a little bit, um, not a, I don't want to say a disappointment, but it is, uh, painful to, uh, wait, uh, and long for these kinds of features necessarily in our own hometowns away from the big city. Because when you go to the big city, it's it's thrilling. You're, you're just looking at the big city in front of you, and you're trying to find a parking that doesn't cost fifty dollars. But oh, good luck with that! Yeah. And <laughs> meanwhile, you're you're dazzled by all these new features in Apple Maps. You're like, what? How, Apple did I just get a huge update to Apple Maps while I entered into Atlanta? Where did all this stuff come from? And so it is pretty sweet to see it. It's just a rotten shame we have to go to the big city to see them. Yeah, although they have to – I mean that's true of Google Maps too. You're, the the fidelity of the map gets less as you get away from you know the bigger civilizations. It's just, that's just the nature of things. Um, all right, and in the spirit of keeping us moving, they talked about AirPods. I didn't find anything particularly interesting here. Um, I, I will just say it's cool that they're adding hearing aid-like features for those who are somewhat hearing impaired. Like They mentioned mild hearing impairment, and I think that's cool that they're doing that. I, I people talk about, and I just want to touch on this very briefly. People talk about how when they have their AirPods in transparency mode, they can't tell the difference. It sounds just like it, you know. And I'm like, what? What are you smoking? I, I can tell the difference. I, I if I'm gonna be in transparency mode and not listen to anything, I'll just take them out because it's better without them. But I get what they're saying, and, and especially if they're now looking at making these like hearing aid type features with focus mode, where you can focus on the thing right in front of you and only hear that sound. Like those are cool features. So. Um, kudos to them for that. I want to talk about uh, iPad OS. Um, I'll just start going down the list, and you stop me if you find anything interesting, and I'll stop if I find anything interesting. So, um, widgets on the home screen, great new larger format for widgets. If you want for a, a big large one on your on your home screen, that is great. App library, multitasking gets um, th- the features haven't really changed too much, but they're adding discoverability essentially. So now you have these controls at the top where you click the three dots at the top in the center, and then it shows you the arrangements you can put your windows in. You can click. You want it to go over to the right and then it'll show your home screen not just what's in the dock but your home screen so that you can then click on the app and bring it up beside it so that's really cool more discoverability easier to operate yeah this is something that we'll have to show all of our friends and family and parents when you know our grandparents when they do get this update i see but this is the thing i don't even know that you'll have to show them it's now clickable like it's not something you have to know how to do it actually presents itself in the interface in an unobtrusive way i think it's really cool Um, so uh, you've got the shelf now. This is Vitici's dream is coming true. Um, if you listen to Connected, um, uh, Vitici has, has been talking about this for a long time. It's basically a place where you can drag windows and things and then put them somewhere else and drag them around in the interface, and it stays there on the shelf as you switch windows. And this all looks very cool. I'm very excited about that. Oh, speaking of which, that would be great to have on the Mac, Apple. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> 
Yeah, and I've tried various um, utilities that do this over the year. Drag thing in particular I used to use, but it's kind of gone away. And I, I didn't use it that much anyway just because there's so much more screen real estate. But it's definitely when, when screen real estate is at a premium, this makes a lot more sense because you can't you can't like put stuff side by side as easily and then go, oh, well, I'll just drag between the things. No, you have to have somewhere to hold it, then switch windows and then put it there. And that's a little bit true when you're using just your laptop. I definitely feel it more when there's no screens attached to my laptop, for yeah. instance. Um, uh, you can create split views now from the app switcher view. You know, when you swipe up, but you don't swipe all the way to the home screen and you can click and go to the things that have been recently opened. You can now drag things onto each other to create split views. I thought that was very cool. Um, notes. I don't use Apple notes much, um, because I'm a big believer in using bear. Um, shared notes may be interesting to me in the future. We'll have to see. I could see my wife and I using that, although we tend to use Google docs for that. So um, I have noticed that a lot of people are boasting that Apple notes is good enough or really great for even professional uses and creative professional uses. I've seen this in a lot where maybe like a, a big name on YouTube says, you know, kind of innocently that they get all their work done in Apple notes and Apple maps and mm. or sorry, Maple Maple. Apple <laughs> Mail. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, have you never heard of Spark? Have you never heard of Bear or Craft or yeah. even Evernote, guys? Yeah. You know? yeah. so, so this is one of those examples where I, I think you can actually get a ton done really well with notes. It's just really funny how it's not super powerful and it is missing no. things. It would be really handy. So yep. it gets better, but notes still stays way behind the premium note taking apps. And I'm very happy to be Agreed. using craft. And, and for me, and this is just a super geeky thing and I can see why most people don't care about this and, or wouldn't even know what this is, but like I use bear because of Markdown. Yeah, like it's that's, a great reason. There are too. things I want. Uh, there are things I would change about bear, but essentially it does what I want it to do because I think in Markdown, like my brain parses, in markdown and so it's really great and i don't mind if it you know because you write it in markdown then it appears um um in rich text format and that's that's fine i just want to write in markdown and have it appear as it needs to so it's really great uh they've brought the translate app over from ios to ipad os why they didn't do this originally i don't know but here it is and there's improvements to swift playgrounds looks really nice i don't write swift so i don't care that much I, I, i shouldn't say i don't care that much i don't know how to talk about it that much i should say Okay, they talked a lot about privacy features. <laughs> they are going to stop um, – they're going to prevent um, email uh, – if you're using the default email app, of course, they're going to prevent um, email, pro- email mailers yeah. from tracking you – email marketing from tracking you with pixels, which has been the way we have tracked forever for a long time. I should, I, should re- I, should, I should back up a little bit. I don't think they're going to – from what I could tell, from what they said, I don't think they're going to stop the tracking completely. They're just going to obfuscate the data, like the IP address. They're not going to be able to associate – they're not going to be able to profile you. It might still – load the pixel to show that it was opened and i do think that's important that's what my first thought was oh if you're going to prevent us from knowing whether the emails have been opened or not then that's not great um and I, I i say that i don't do a lot of email marketing anymore but i think i think some amount of that is good but then it just verges over into creepy very quickly when you're creating these big yeah. profiles and that's what specifically what apple's going to be preventing is is obfuscating ip addresses and things like that safari is going to be hiding the ip address uh things like that um 
They're doing more with app privacy reports. Um, I'm really excited about this one. Siri, your audio never leaves your device anymore. And what that also means is that you can talk to Siri without internet. Do you remember, Joe, the iPhone 3GS had voice control features? And I used it actually a little hmm. bit. Where And it didn't require internet. You could issue commands uh, to the voice control and it would just I do I never that. had the iPhone 3GS. I, the, my first was the oh, iPhone 4. Oh, okay. So my 3GS had this voice control feature. You held the home button and it would go, do like i don't think it was the exact sound but it was a sound you know just like you get with siri and then um you tell it play x and it would play you know x or you, you know do this or do that there was limited but you could talk to it and it understood you and it i <laughs> feel like that i remember thinking siri doesn't exist <laughs> yes i remember thinking when siri came along boy apple's previous voice recognition was way better than siri what is happening oh, here so 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 then apple of course with the iphone 4 or 4s i don't remember which introduces siri and I felt like it's a huge step backwards, primarily because if your internet was having any trouble at all, Siri couldn't understand you. It was sending it all to the cloud. It was all the parsing was happening on the cloud. And it's curious because Apple's big push lately has been all of our processing happens on devices. We don't process in the cloud. We don't take your data. We're all about privacy. Well, they're finally bringing that to Siri in a lot of ways. I don't think for everything. I think there's some complex things they have to do in the cloud. But your your basic voice processing happens on device. And the byproduct of this looks like, from what they demoed, that you can talk to Siri a lot, do a lot of things without an internet connection. And that is a huge step forward. Yeah. It was really marvelous because I, like you said, a lot thought all these things could be, or might be actively already done on the iPhone, but now they're saying they are definitely happening on the iPhone with iOS 15. So good on them. Yes. Yeah, for sure. iCloud, they're uh, creating new ways for account recovery, recovery contact list. I'm a little concerned about this because I, when it comes to my accounts, like I'm not as big into the, I, I'm happy that Apple's doing privacy stuff. I'm not as worried about it as most people are. I don't find a lot of this stuff as creepy. I do think Apple is rightly pushing back on some of the stuff that the big companies do, like Google. Happy about that. But when it comes to recup, like your accounts and your account security, that is far more important to me. I, I use one password. I have a big, long master password that only I know that I never use anywhere else except one password. And then all my other passwords are randomly generated at least 32 characters, as much, usually as many characters as the, um, as is reasonable and as the service will support. Sometimes, you know, you run into services like we only accept 20 character passwords, whatever. But, but in general, like each service gets its own unique password. And, and iCloud is no exception. And, um, I have a very secure, unique password for iCloud. And adding a recovery contact sounds like an avenue for um, problematic problems. <laughs> because what if somebody spoofs your phone number? And then adds somebody as a contact and, and gets that, gets your account to text that person with the recovery code and then spoofing your number, texts them and says, can you send me that recovery code? I'm having trouble getting into my account. Now suddenly your account is hacked. I hope, I, I don't want this feature. I'm, I'm not going to be using it. Curious. What, what is more interesting to me, and I'd, I'd have to see the, the implementation details of how they do this, but the legacy contacts is more interesting to me because what if I passed away suddenly or what if my wife passed away suddenly? Um, it's not as important since, since the advent of one password and both of us have access to all of our passwords if we need them in the event of that. But there are still some things that would probably be useful to, to set a legacy contact and say, this person is the inheritor of all my data. Uh, depending on the implementation details and how secure that is and the, you know what the proofs are that somebody has passed away, this could be very interesting. 
I don't know what to say about the privacy features because I was really happy with what we already had. And then these sounded, you mean the account recovery features? The, well, those, those are good to me. I, I can't argue with your arguments there. You would understand the development side of things and the security side of things more than I would. I, I, mm. I remember a few years ago when they introduced the, what is it? The, the home button being able to read touch ID and having all this data about your fingerprints on a secure enclave that there are a lot of people yeah. still speculating that that's not entirely safe. People could steal that information and, no, and well, that, hack your machine. And that, that is and, purely technical and that's, mm-hmm. that's people not understanding how that works. The avenue that I was talking about is purely social engineering. And then, and that's the way most hacks work is social engineering. Like you convince somebody to give up data that they shouldn't have given up by by making them believe a story that isn't true essentially okay. and and that's the avenue that I'm worried about there so yeah i i just don't want to introduce more i'm trying you, uh, one of my things as a security somebody who's interested in security is trying to keep the angle of attack the attack vectors very narrow and slim you you know you only want to present as th- as thin of an edge as possible to for somebody to attack um, and, and by adding a recovery contact, you're adding another angle that somebody could use to get into your accounts. So it's, it's just worrisome to me. And I know why they're adding it because a lot of people do lose access to their accounts because they don't, they, they don't use one password. They're, they're doing unsafe practices to begin with and they've lost, they don't remember the password they set, you know, that, that sort of thing. And now there's, they're stuck. They can't get in. So that, that is a problem and I understand it. I'm just, I'm just worried about this feature, at least for my own purposes. So I don't plan to use it. I don't have much to say about um, health. I just want to say real quick, you know, private relay, hide my email, expanded HomeKit secure video that was all uh, in, in with account recovery. It's all good stuff. I'm, I'm fine with it. I don't plan to use any of it. Um, <laughs> the health stuff, um, I'm, I'm, I thought it was cool, like the mobility stuff. Um, you know, that that's cool. I'm not quite in that stage of my life yet, but I will be at some point, and I'll probably still have an Apple Watch, whatever that looks like in those years, and so that could be very useful. I don't use the mindfulness stuff. Um that's not something I focus on. Uh, I'm more interested in the updates to Fitness Plus. Um, they mentioned portrait faces. You you said you were interested in those watch faces. I found the watch face that works for me, and I pretty much stick with it. Yeah, so, I find um, that the uh, meditation, the mindfulness things are interesting because on the Apple Watch, it just gets you to breathe and to think about gratitude on Iowa. What is this? Watch OS 7 or is this Watch OS 8? Uh, watch okay. was eight. So watch was eight. You're going to have things like uh, suggestions of uh, taking time to stop and think about things you're grateful for, in addition to an, mm. and new kinds of animations to the breathing, and th- that's all well and good and all, but it's really just getting your feet wet with the basics of mindfulness. And I think it's great for people who maybe you. And this has actually been the story for many Apple Watch users that you. St- started thinking, you know, I want to take care of my health. I want to get more fit. And I hear that the Apple Watch really helps you uh, become more mindful of your fitness tracking. So I think I'll get started with that and I'll invest in an Apple Watch. You get that thing, Mm. you start dabbling with fitness, you dabble with some workouts, and then you start to take it more seriously. Maybe you join a gym and it just sort of like one thing leads to the next. And so I think that the breathing app is sort of like that as well, where you realize that you're really struggling with some worry and anxiety issues and you're not dealing with stress. And, you know, it's not enough to just take another vacation because you're really not relaxing on the trip. So when you're, you know, some of the people are trying out something like the breathing app and then realizing, hey, this looks like a 
might could work. And so then what happens is it leads to something else. It just got you started. And then now you discover, did you know that you can use mindfulness apps on the iPhone and you can use your AirPods Pro and you can use a full-fledged meditation? And then those are things yeah. that are great and useful. And I, I, I really love them. I, I use the call map in the past. I've used the Headspace <laughs> app and I benefit from those kind of things. And uh, the Apple Watch is one of the reasons why I do today. I, I just got to say, I mean, from for me, I just don't want my wrist computer telling me when to breathe in and breathe out. I just don't. <laughs> yeah, it does seem not, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, they talked about home stuff, home kit. Uh, yeah, well, I don't use home kit stuff. I don't use smart stuff uh, yet much so uh, or at all. So that's cool. You can ask the HomePod if you have one. And I, maybe someday I'll have a HomePod. But I, I think there's more story that Apple's going to tell there, maybe more hardware. So we'll see how that goes. But um, ask the HomePod to play things on your Apple TV. That's not confusing at all. You're asking your HomePod to do something on your Apple TV. It's just kind of weird. Um, share play on the Apple TV, of course. Um Siri on third-party devices is interesting. I don't know how that works exactly. I guess they're just make, strictly enforcing with the manufacturers that data has can only come to us. And if and they talked about how it only works over the lo- like it's working over the local network that your data flows over the local network to the HomePod. And I don't know. There's this mm, interesting stuff there. Perhaps if you're into smart home stuff, macOS Monterey. Um, they, of course, their crack marketing team came up with Monterey. Um, <laughs> you've got uh, SharePlay on the Mac, Focus on the Mac, Continuity, um, Universal Control. Oh, this is something I'm very excited about. So I've, over the years, used stuff like um, uh, Synergy and things where one computer, uh, one key, you know, that keyboard and mouse can then mouse over and control the other computer. This is working across from, as far as I can tell, it's Mac to the iPad. I don't think you can do iPad to Mac, although that would be very interesting. Um, so you, you control with your iPad and your other Macs with a single Mac mouse and keyboard. This is especially useful for me. You know, if I want to have both my work and personal computer on my desk at the same time, I've had, I've had situations where I needed to do that before. So that's very interesting. And especially if I want to have my iPad and my computer next to each other, this could just be very, very useful. And I, I, I expect that Apple will implement it in a better way that works more often than Synergy does. Cause the big problem I've always had with Synergy and other apps like it, or that you synergy behind the, the scenes is that you get weird jerkiness and and sometimes your mouse you, you'll be on the other computer and it'll just stop working but then you get stuck in a state where your computer thinks it's controlling the other computer but it's not moving the mouse on the keyboard on the other computer and you can't get out of it so i think apple will have implemented this better than that so the the Monterey features that I saw that fascinated me were the ones where they carry over the same features that they had in iOS and iPadOS. The things like SharePlay, shortcuts now. And th- that was a big news feature that you're going to be able to automate a bunch of stuff. And I think I'll take advantage of that. I have many shortcuts on my iOS home screen. Yeah. Yeah, I was concerned at first. They immediately they announced shortcuts for the Mac, and my first thought was, "Oh man, because Automator is going to be so much." Uh, yeah, I can't see shortcuts ever being as powerful as Automator, and Automator is going to be dead now. And but then they said, "But you can import your Automator workflows into shortcuts." I'm like, "Really? They've made it compatible, so they've already added all the features that Automator has." I'm still skeptical, but we'll see. Maybe that's a maybe that's a sign that Apple is interested in making shortcuts as powerful as Automator was. Because I yeah. definitely have some Automator workflows that I want to continue to work. They did say the Automator will continue to be supported for now. Uh, they didn't give a time frame on when that would be going away, so maybe it'll never go away. But I, you've got to think that it's going away at some point. 
uh, and shortcuts. They because they, they did use the phrase shortcuts is the future of automation on the Mac. So, so yeah, now um, this is yeah. when they introduced things about Safari, and this was really cool and all. Mm. Well, well, um, we skipped over one thing I wanted to talk about, which is AirPlay to the Mac. Um, that was announced right before shortcuts for the Mac. And this is a feature I've been wanting for a long time because the Mac at my desk is, um, connected to great speakers. And oftentimes there's something on my phone or my iPad that I want to airplay to the, to the Mac. Like, honestly, even though, you know, there's, um, there, depending on which podcast app you're using, it might be available on your, on your uh, computer, but it's just easier because you've already got your place and your, your app up, your podcast app up on your phone. Maybe you want to airplay that to the speakers on your desk through your Mac. Now you can with the, with Monterey. So that's really exciting. Yeah, that was really cool. And, and, and I remember yeah. back in the day when I was using front row on my iMac and using one of the earlier remotes and it, it just is mm. the way that we watched our uh, home TV in our first house mm-hmm. used a 27 inch mm-hmm. iMac then and didn't have another television set. We just had the one computer for all of our home watching. And I can see where that is just so handy. And so having yeah. those kinds of things, I mean, it's not like you couldn't watch the internet video streams of Netflix off of a web browser before my wife and I have watched several videos off of our sure. MacBook pros but and the like, but it's difficult to control. Exactly. So that is where it's I was. Awesome. I was always, yeah, I was always very disappointed that they removed front row from the Macs and removed the the IR sensors and remote sensors. Like you wouldn't even have to have IR now because you, there's no reason a Mac couldn't connect to a, a Siri remote because it's Bluetooth. Um, but Apple chose to remove those features from the Mac, and it's always disappointed me because there's no reason you couldn't, you know, press a button on the remote and bring up the same interface that's on today's Apple TV. Like you could totally do that. Apple's just not interested in doing yeah. it. So are you ready to t- so Safari? Yeah, Safari. Awesome. Well, so here's the thing about Safari is that I really like it. It's really simple. It's very Apple of them. One of my favorite apps on all my devices is the Craft app. And I feel like Craft is the Notes app equivalent of Safari, whereas Notes feels like it is sort of a hangover of the Steve Jobs era of iOS apps and Mac OS development, where there's still that feeling like they wanted it to look like paper and it has yellow trim and that kind of thing is cutesy and all maybe you could call that whimsical if you cared about the old (laughs) you know stationary pads but a craft feels like it is the notes app of the modern time then you look at what they're doing with safari in mac west monterey and this looks really cool and interesting tj i just don't know what i think about things like the the what do we call it the toolbar at the top and all of that matching the color of whatever the website you're on it just Mm. bleeds into confusion i would think for a lot of people yeah i think so i'm not super jazzed about the whole color thing Uh, can i tell you what i would this is so obvious this is low-hanging fruit all they needed to do is give you color themes so that you could pick the color of your choice joe Joe, Apple doesn't want to give up that kind of control. They, they know what's don't. best for See, you. See, that's the thing is they, they introduced <laughs> all these colored themes across the board where you have colorful icons and you have uh, highlight colors to choose from that would match your iMac. So if you got the purple iMac, you can have the purple highlight color on text or your cursor that you know blinks and flashes that you know that matches the color of your iMac body. Well, why can't you make Safari's trim match your purple iMac? It's so obvious. You can you can make color yeah. themes for all the other web browsers except Safari. 
So it's just, it's just a little annoying. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Um, one of the new features of Safari, I want to come back to the tabs, but one of the new features of Safari, and this is also going to be available on iPhone and iPad is web extensions. So up until now, yeah, they talked about news. web extensions. I'm, I'm a little confused actually about extensions. They talked about web extensions before, but I don't think the current Safari supports them because you can't use extensions across Safari and some of the other browsers and they have to be in an app packaged with a dot app application. It's very odd. Um, but they're bringing web extensions to Safari in Monterey and on the iPhone and iPad, which is you've never been able to do extensions in Safari on the iPhone and iPad before. I'm super excited about that. Um, so coming back to the tabs, they um, they gave us a new tabs design, which you touched on briefly. I was excited at first because all I saw was a screenshot of – I wasn't as jazzed as I wanted to be, but it was a, a, a screenshot of the first tab was active. And so in that tab, you could see the active URL, and then beside it were all the tabs. So I thought – well, that's that toolbar, that part where you see the URL, that's going to stay there. And then the tabs are all to the right of it. And you can click. I kind of like that because it moves the tabs up. I always want the tabs on the top. Safari puts the tabs under the toolbar. I could stand it. I could live with it beside them, but that's not what they're doing. So I got a little less excited when I saw what was actually happening. When you click another tab over to the right of the toolbar area that you could see where the URL is, then that area where the URL was shrinks into a tab. And then the new one expands. And then you see the URL for that tab. Not super excited about this because one thing that I do not like is UI elements jumping around under your mouse as you click them. Do not want to. This is, this is more – I've talked before about how Apple has been moving away from uh, muscle memory and you know you, you, you know where to flick your mouse roughly because the elements are always in the same place and, and how the dock breaks that convention and the dock should be able to be anchored to one side of the screen or the other. Uh, and, you, and even if for you people who anchor the dock on the left or the right of the screen – and not I'm, I'm not talking about that because the dock will still jump around it's still center centered vertically instead of centered horizontally as you add stuff to the dock or stuff gets added or removed from the dock it jumps around that's the same principle here that's at play that i can't stand which is things moving around targets changing and now all of a sudden you thought you knew where your mouse was going to go to activate another tab but it moved so I, i'm not not super jazzed about this that makes a lot of sense I, I i would have to review the situation with a little experience but that makes a lot of sense well and that's the thing i i think it looks cool mm-hmm. um and maybe in practice it will be fine and i'm currently a safari user i'm primary my primary browser and all devices is safari I want, I hope, I hope I like it. And it does look like it'll save me some vertical space, which is one of the reasons why, um, I don't show my bookmarks bar, for instance, is because I want that vertical space. And so if I want to bookmark, um, it shows up when I open a new tab, my bookmarks area. So, right. um, I don't, otherwise I don't need it. So things like that. I, and I, and it does move things up so that there's more vertical space and I'm happy about that. So, We'll, we'll see. They're, they're moving. They're also moving stuff out of the toolbar into the more menu. See, I, 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 I t- this is a yeah, sure, I get it, but I also you know tightly manage what's in my toolbar. So, so right now I have the share sheet, um, and you know you can click it and you can say email this page or send it messages or whatever. I think that's because I can't remove it because I actually don't use it. Um, Oh, I can't remove it. Interesting. I'm going to remove it. Uh, <laughs> so I just removed it. But I have, the, of course, the new tabs, the tab overview button, and I have um, Todoist where I can add a web page to Todoist, and I have um, uh, 1Password extension. And those are the things that are in my Safari toolbar. I, I don't know that I need them to declutter that for me, but, you know, we'll see. I may I may end up enjoying it. 
So one thing that I noticed around this point, because this was late in the keynote, was that on the whole, they said next to nothing about, well, they may have mentioned optimization, but they didn't mention anything about improving stability or speed along the way. And it was a very feature rich, uh, you know, keynote. All things considered, if they do pay it off and they give us all the stuff with the, you know, Monterey and new iPad OS and iOS, they have a lot of features to deliver on. So um, I, I have a hard time really believing that they're going to give us all of the stuff when they release. <laughs> The first public, you know, golden masters. Yeah. Well, and, and and continuing the Safari thing here, this is interesting because you know they 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 had this this keynote split up into sections of iOS, iPadOS, and macOS, but then they had features that span them all. And so when they got to Safari for macOS, that's when they talked about the features are also coming to Safari for iPadOS and and iOS as well as the Mac, even though they were talking about the Mac. Um, I so so the exact same tab features are coming to iPadOS, which is cool, and um, not the exact same features because you can't do that interface on the iPhone. But new, like the, the whole way tabs work on the iPhone is being redesigned. They looked good. Well, we'll have to see how that works in practice. Um, and but yes, to your point, they're bringing all of these features to all the platforms, and it's a question of whether they can pull it off. I think that if there is a way, a reason that they could, it is because of the parity of uh, the M1 chip. That might be the reason. I, I, I I'm not sure how that tracks. I mean, because software is software, and the compiler takes care of which chip it goes on. Okay. Yeah, I, especially given the way Apple's languages work, like you, you build universal binaries, they work on either chip. I, I don't think that's a factor. Here. All right. Well, beyond the updates to Monterey's, uh, you know, things like Safari and the shortcuts, the AirPlay and the like, they did introduce a bunch of developer tool things. And yeah. this was where they did say that they're letting people now develop on the iPad, iPad and iOS apps. And that was the one thing I understood quite clearly. Did they though? Did they say that? Mm-hmm. I didn't hear yeah, that. Yeah, they did. They talk- mm, no, I don't think so. They talked about new features for uh, Swift Playgrounds, but that is very different from actually developing um, on the iPad. Well, apps okay, iPad. so I, it could be that they introduced this under the Xcode Cloud section, and if they did, I missed it. Well, they definitely said that you can develop on the iPad now, but whether huh. it's like okay. a local copy of the app or it's up in the cloud and you're only able to edit it on the iPad, maybe yeah, the the trick. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Also, I have to go back and see if I missed it because um, I and I didn't see any chatter about that on Twitter either. And I think that would have gotten huge chatter on Twitter because people have been talking about this for years. Huh. Okay, so it's possible that I missed it. But they definitely talked about Xcode and Xcode in the cloud, among other things. We're we're really breezing over the de- developer technologies now because neither of us, uh, you know, you're a designer and I'm not. I'm a developer, but I'm not an iOS or a Mac developer. I th- so. Well, TJ, one thing that I wanted to mention before we go is that it was uh, a little odd how very little of what really none of what they introduced showed off any of apple's professional apps getting an upgrade or coming to new platform new devices yeah i know and and, and, and I, everybody I knew, was accounting on that everybody just knew that that's I, what was going to happen yeah i don't know that everybody was counting on it i think it was wish casting like on upgrade um you know mike and, and jason they you know i think it was jason who said that he put a flag in the ground that, that as part of his picks for their draft he's like well, they're gonna bring a professional app they're gonna bring final cut 
or something to the iPad, and I thought immediately, no, they're not going to do it. They're just they're just uninterested in doing that, and it's it's super frustrating. Like I think they should. I just they seem extremely uninterested in the professional app space. Even on the Mac, they still have the apps. I love Logic. I use Logic like for more than just editing podcasts. I use it for music for our church that I'm putting together for you know hymns that we're learning and we're learning the parts to, and I I I, I create tracks that help us learn them and all these things. I use Logic for all kinds of things. Um, they just seem utterly uninterested in that space. They don't devote any time or resources to it. They're 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 just not interested, and it, it's super frustrating. I would love I would love to see Logic on the iPad. I, I yeah, would love to take if I if if they had a way to use the Apple Pencil with Logic and or Final Cut or whatever. I would I would get another Apple Pencil because mine got lost, <laughs> but I would definitely do it, and then I would edit this podcast on the iPad. <laughs> and I know you can do it with Ferrite, but I just I know Logic. I don't know Ferrite, and I don't like. Uh, the fine grain tuning, I may need to transfer to the Mac and do some stuff. Like, I just don't have the time to invest in doing that. But I definitely would if it's a, if it was a thing that existed. It just doesn't, and I find it frustrating that Apple's not putting any time or effort into that. Yeah, no, I get it. That is about well, the end of the event. I think that's the end of our show, Joseph. <laughs> yeah, and we came in under the running time of the event, which is we did, what we, we did. To. What was the running time of the event? Actually, now that I think about uh, that, it was over. It was over an, an hour, hour and a half, half wasn't it? Yeah, okay. Yeah, and our show here I'm looking at and and by the time you edit it, it might be a little different, but I'm looking at about an hour and 19 minutes. So, um yeah, cool. So, if um if people want to find, I don't know what all will be in the show notes cuz I need to compile them <laughs> and figure out what links, but I will definitely link for instance to the um the features pages of Monterey and um iPadOS and um iOS 15. I'm sure there'll be other links in there as I as I go through and and kind of find things to put in the show notes. Uh so you can find those at nightowl.fm/hifi slash 32 and of course if you have any good uh, podcast app that isn't apple's podcasts uh, it will show you the show notes right in the app um overcast pocket cast and you can you can get right to those as you're listening on your device it's really great um joe you also also are on another podcast on this night owl network can you tell us a little bit about that yes so it is equinox with dr robert carter a marine biologist and geneticist and we talk each week about a new and interesting science topic to explore that uh, Rob loves to discuss, and we have been doing it for a year now, so check it out. We put out a new episode every week. And looking at the stats in nightowl.fm, I can tell you it's a more popular podcast than this one, but just in case you don't listen to both, you might want to head over there. And you all, are you ready to announce? Have you talked about the Patreon, or is that hush hush? No, it is public. So if you do check it out and you do enjoy it, you can get more bonus content. So you can check out the regular Equinox show, and if you already do, you might want to check out the member content which is available through patreon you can get the link in the show notes of any uh, uh episode this week or future episodes all right very good well that is the end of our episode and um we're going to go back to our bi-weekly schedule um, and by which i mean because bi-weekly is a little vague by which i mean every two weeks not twice a week <laughs> so um i will be on vacation actually next week with my wife for our 16th anniversary so uh i will be uh, out of pocket and not really probably responding to much of uh, anything um but um yeah that's where i'll be and i will catch you the week after that yeah. so until then ta-ta. catch you later have fun tj thank you